Hi everyone, this is Shriya, your host, and you're listening to What's the Word, a podcast on all things language and media by Idoni. As we are on the third episode of our podcast, we are yet again looking at another region in this episode to explore how language and usage of certain words in media reportage have larger implications. In today's episode, our focus is on Africa. Through the course of this conversation, we would be exploring the stereotypes and the constant Western gaze that is often seen in mainstream media's reportage of the region. Joining us for this episode is a very special guest who has a huge body of work writing, reporting and talking about journalism in Africa. He's the co-founder and managing editor of Minority Africa, a digital publication that uses data-driven multimedia journalism to tell minority stories across Africa. He's also a Nigerian journalist and filmmaker working out of Kampala and has written and produced features for the BBC, CNN, Al Jazeera and so on. As a journalist, he has extensively reported from Eastern and Western Africa. He's a 2019 Media Challenge Fellow, One World Media Fellow and a Solutions Journalism Network Fellow as well. We are delighted to be joined by Caleb Okereke. Caleb, thank you so much for taking out the time to have this conversation with us. Of course, so glad to be here. Uh, so Caleb, first of all, I want like you are someone who's been like engaging with solutions journalism at a very deeper level, not just as a fellow, but also in your work. So when we talk about uh, representation and misrepresentations, uh, not just you know, not just of uh, of your of the place that you are in, but just in general, how uh, anything away from the Western sort of uh, arena is represented by the Western media. How how do you perceive it as a journalist yourself, but also as someone who is a solutions journalism practitioner? That's a really great question. And I think like, you know, it's 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 indicative of like, what is a larger or, or, or what is a much larger com- conversation like around, you know, access and privilege and agency and, and kind of like narrative overall, right? So we, we often, you know, the the way in which the world is constructed, right? And, and you know, we see the West as the center, right? And and that's not accidental, you know, that's, that's tied to like, you know, history of colonialism, you know, white supremacy, things like that. But there's a way in, like in which we've we've constructed the West as the center in everything, you know? So it, it's not just journalism, but it's it's in science, it's in academia, it's it's it, it, it's, it's in music, it's in it's in language, right? I, I speak English, you know, obvious reasons, um, but, but, that sort of view of the West as the center then means that everything else is viewed as apart from the center, right? And I guess the 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 further away you are from the center, again, kind of like with you know the institution of colonialism, you know, the much further away you are, the much, the like the the like the the far away you are, right? And I think that crosses very much into journalism because then. You know, if the West is the center of journalism, it means that you know the media platforms that we see are coming from from the West, right? And that means that the more distant you are from the center, um, I think that it that is viewed as the more deserving of humanity and agency and nuance, right? So because um, I think for a lot of like African countries, um, that's so, that sort of semblance of you know Africans as being othered and like away from the West then feeds into the the narratives that are formed feeds into this kind of like misrepresentation that you're talking about um it is easier for you to misrepresent somebody that you feel like is very different from you or is in a much more distinct situation from you or it's just simply far away from you know this center again that i'm talking about right and i 
I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of work, like, in the last few years to, or in the last decade or so, I guess, it's to sort of, like, you know, change how we view um, just, like, the news reporting from, like, the like the West to Africa. And, like, some of that work is valuable, right? Some, 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 some people have taken feedback. Some people have listened to um, African voices, like, a lot more, which is great. But it is certainly not enough, right? And it's certainly not, like, a complete task. And there's still so much work to be done, even in that regard. Right. Uh, as you mentioned it, Caleb, this, this, um, when we talk about Africa and journalism in Africa and journalism culture in Africa, uh, what, uh, like you said, that uh, like West is looked at as the center and everything, you know, uh, everything is derived from that. So there's this, you know, misrepresentation in the in, in, in terms of when we look at most, uh, you know, reports of the of mainstream organizations, we would see like a catastrophic representation and sort of homogenizing the whole continent as one nation rather than reporting about, you know, every African country has its own sort of sociocultural functioning, its politics and, uh, and everything for that matter, much like different places of the world. But rather than looking at that, they're all like, okay, Africa is one nation and we, everything, you know, all the represent, or whether we're talking about uh, any country in Africa, we are going to talk in the same tone, in the same, you know, the same sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the imagery that we want to portray. So uh, as a journalist who's reported, uh, on the region, what do you think? I mean, there's, we know what they are doing wrong, but uh, what, what, and why is this uh, still in 2023 is still continuing? Because there's still mainstream media uh, platforms uh, that 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 the images that are used as a as say a feature image of the article or the language that is used for uh, uh, while reporting on Africa, it's still not very inclusive. So where are they still faltering according to you uh, even now? Well, I mean, I, I think they've, they've kind of like answered the question even like in your, in, like in your asking it, right? And and the ways in which I think they're faltering is is just, you know, like like the simple word of like nuance, right? Like, like you point out, Africa is a very nuanced continent. Um, the kind of like immediate um, or the kind of like compulsion that I think the West has to sort of like homogenize Africa is it's it's not it's an extant like legacy of colonialism right and that was very central to the colonial project for them to kind of like look at Africa in one way even like look at you know I'm from Nigeria even like what became Nigeria right it was it was it was vastly different cultures but they just said let's like put everything together you know what's the worst that could happen um right and i think that that same kind of like lens is is still existent in media right um and there's been efforts to try to you know you know stop it right so african journalists have been like you know you know more international news organizations are hiring more african journalists um but i still think like that's 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 one step in, in like you're putting somebody into a system that is designed to, you know, view them in a monolithic way, right? And no matter what they do in that system, some of those narratives will still come come to the fore, right? So this is not like in any part on like the you know, like in any way sort of like talking about the journalists, but I do think that when you put people in a system that is designed to view them in a certain way, that is only designed to recognize complexity like in itself. So the West can actually tell that it is nuanced. It can tell that, you know, certain American states are different from others. There's nuance everywhere and it can recognize that, right? 
But when it comes to Africa, then we sort of want to see it as the same way. It's it's this like oversimplification that I think is happening. So I I do think even if like getting more African voices into the room is a start, but it's really hard for them to sort of like work in a system that has been designed again to work to work against them. Uh, like I would argue. So I definitely think that's one thing. Um, especially because like if you look at again international media organizations, a lot of people who 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 like who work there, you know, like the 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 top level editors will still be, you know, non-African, like in the same way. So in a sense, you know, there's they're still controlling the framework, right? And that that shows, right? I, I remember last year when 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 the Queen of England died, and 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 then the BBC had this like article that that was about you know the Queen's long-lasting relationship with like some 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 kind of frame framing like that, and it was the BBC Africa, right? Which is funny when when it's it's quite ironical that you would describe colonialism as like a long-lasting relationship, and then sort of like frame it as a friendship that was you know consensual and mutually beneficial, which obviously it, it, like it wasn't. But I think that sort of goes to underscore my point that. You know, people in systems that are designed to work against them will will, will only sort of like will, will 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 do as much as the system allows them to do. I I I completely relate to you here because in India, like I'm based in India, this is exactly how the coverage by a lot of international organizations or even I would say Nash, uh, English national organizations that where uh, which for whom the medium of telecast is English or uh, medium of print is English, they sort of had the similar undertone rather than, you know, having like digging deeper into the nuance of the, uh, of the, of the colonial theory. It was more like, okay, uh, you know, this is like showing pictures of uh, her visits to India. And I, I completely agree. And I think there's a, uh, there's this thing that we have to capitalize on this trend that is going on and in order to do that I think all sorts of things just go down the uh, like down the uh, whatever pipeline uh, that that sort of exists but uh, to, uh, like staying on that uh, sort of topic uh, I wanted to sort of also understand and get your point on a lot of these international organizations for example like BBC or a DW or um, a Guardian or stuff like that. They have these international correspondents in different parts of the world, in their international bureaus in different parts of the world. And of, more often than not, a lot of these international correspondents are people who are from, say, a UK or from Europe who've traveled, uh, traveled to the country and are reporting on the country. And I, like for me personally, I feel like as a journalist, from India would know best about, you know, the socio-political, cultural fabric of the country. Of course, somebody who comes from outside can learn and can understand, but there's a lot of nuance and somewhere uh, that sort of is lacking in the reportage when it comes to foreign correspondents. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that is something that, you know, uh, sort of not, there's like a lot of the times like people, when I was speaking to other people, they were like, usually these foreign correspondents come they work with a stringer in uh, who is locally connected and then they go without really you know following up or understanding what impact their stories are uh, is having a very current one being how a the piece published in NYT led to arrests of a lot of journalists in India because they, it was a half-baked 
a half research piece done by people sitting in the US. So I just wanted to understand how important then the role of uh, you know local journalism, local newsroom. You yourself are a uh, you are a founder and a, uh, in your leading a local newsroom. So how important does then local new, the role of local newsrooms become? I mean, I think that there's there's like two sides to it. I I don't think I'm like you know anti foreign correspondence, right? And I, I I think like you say that it's it's possible for people who are not who are not from here to sort of sit with the context to be to be able to sort of let themselves fester in the nuance. And there's people who I think you know do that excellently. You know, people I know, people whose reporting I read, um, that are able to sort of like you know recognize that I'm I'm not from this place. I don't know anything about this place. Even if I've been here ten years, right? Even if I've lived here, I don't know anything about it. I'm still, you know, it's it's just. But I think the the problem arises with people who sort of like want to paint it as a brushstroke. And I just want to say that again, in like in a similar vein, I still think there's like a very crucial importance of Western media presence in Africa, right? That's it's it's very important. You know, it's it's not. And in fact, the 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 the, the my thinking of it as important is the reason why I I you know why I think it should be criticized because then you know f- feedback is essential right the kind of like constructive criticism so i like i don't think western media on the continent is bad i just think that like i think there's there's things that they're able to do and say simply by being western that you know lo- local media would never be able to say or would never be able to say with, without a similar level of like pushback and clamp down so they're all very important in their many ways but i still do think that a lot of times there's still the things that you're describing are still happening, right? And and people are are, are trying to make assumptions about places that they know nothing about. Um, and I think that's also just like a privilege thing. The if you kind of again, I, I turn back to colonialism a lot, but if you if you kind of look at how like you know anthropologists wrote about Africa, it was with a certain kind of con- conclusion and like conclusiveness that I think is very present in how you know many foreign correspondents report on Africa. It is a certain kind of like you know, this president is XYZ way for XYZ reason. And I'm like, how do you know? Right? You can draw inferences. You can make but like this these like what I find to be like even I don't don't write like that. You know, even I like even when I'm writing about Nigeria, I do not conclusively say certain things. Cause I'm cause like there's just like I'm i I'm able to sort of see nuance. But I find it funny that sometimes you have Western correspondents who are like maybe maybe writing like an analysis on the Nigerian elections or something. And then they're making this very like what are very conclusive like statements which are very subjective but they are stating them as fact and then it carries on as fact right and that's the problem like you have seen this from this perspective um i, I like i remember when we we had the nsas protests against police brutality in, in nigeria and i and i f- forget now what platform it was and like what correspondent but somebody wrote about how you know nsas was like primarily inspired by black lives matter and then people said, well, that number one, that's not true because, you know, half of the people who are on the streets don't even know what Black Lives Matter is, right? NSAS was not for the, just the Nigerians on social media. It was for everybody, right? People who were, it was it was basically everybody. And there's, there's nothing wrong with drawing parallels between movements, right? There's nothing wrong with sort of like saying this social movement resembles this social movement. But again, the the conclusiveness that I'm talking about is for you to actually come out and say that this social movement was inspired by this social movement because that's what you think. Because how do you know, right? You actually haven't asked anybody because then you find out that like, that, that isn't the case. So I think overall that just speaks to like what I believe is the problem of like foreign correspondents in Africa. It's just the way in which so many of them are able to make what are very sub- subjective 
and sort of like personal opinion into you know what like fact um and and that is a problem that i think is is it's a problem because that fact then kind of like carries on and again there's people who are able to to do it well um and i and i believe like with everything else some some kind of like hum, like humility um is 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 very essential to the process just realizing that I'm, I'm not from here i might have lived here 10 years my partner might be from here but i still don't know the nuance of it right I, it's very interesting that you uh when, that you talked about uh, how you know there's this um the, uh, the, the, there's this thing that uh it comes from that whole uh idea that you know uh a conclusive idea like you said uh the reportage comes from this conclusive idea and uh, do you also think that there's this uh uh this is positive negative dichotomy that is accompanied in the language that uh that sort of like even when when there is there's there's a reportage of a positive news uh uh, in a, uh like that's happening in any 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 uh any is uh, country in uh, africa there's always that undertone which is like you know oh my god there's so much uh you know happening there's so much there's so much conflict and all uh, this everybody's so helpless and this is a beacon of hope like you know that sort of savior ish undertone uh, a very sad undertone rather than looking at okay if there's a positive news rather than focusing on the positive news or rather than focusing on the uh, on something good that has happened it's always like oh my god look poor people they are they they go through so much and then they found this you know thing so what are your thoughts on that like how do you as a journalist because you are someone who has worked with different media uh, organizations as well that how do you as a journalist uh, based in uh, you know uh, as a journalist who's reported from um, africa on africa uh, uh, like how do you navigate that when you're in your own um, you know reportage and how do you sort of try to explain that to others that uh, you know what's what are your thoughts on that i mean i, I think that t- to be honest in in my own like kind of like you know reporting experience like i've, I've been able to work with people who i think are thinking about the same things that we're talking about right so it it there hasn't been like as much um kind of like me having to sort of like contend um and that's because again and and that's like you know props to people who have like done this work for longer who have had to you know sort of like it's 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 like making this the the how do you say like making the industry much work for people who are sort of like coming right so i, I think before i i kind of got into like journalism as an industry there there were folks who had spent so much time trying to make it better right and that meant that i was able to work with people who i think had more understanding of kind of like these conversations that we're talking about of course it doesn't mean that i haven't encountered like one or two people who you know want this like persistent narrative of africa um but my 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 response to all is to always push back right and i and i don't feel like i don't feel any kind of like i don't even think of it as pushing back i'm i'm just cuz i'm i'm also fighting for the name that i want my story to be attached to or, or the name that i want cuz my name is going to be on it right and if if i like it's it's my name that's going to be on it in the end and i and i yeah like i i i i like i don't find it difficult because i feel like i am defending something that's very like important to me like i'm defending my life and, and like the 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 narratives about people like me who i want out there the narratives about 
Nigerians um, and other Africans, uh, broadly speaking. Um, but I do definitely like agree with you, like like in terms of this sort of like binary that you're describing, where something has to be like positive and still, but cannot be entirely too positive, lest you know, lest they sort of like take away the. Like, and I remember like what what year was it now? I can't remember, but I remember like when when Donald Trump was was kind of like you know doing all like Donald Trump things. There were these many comparisons, and people were calling him you know he was the Mugabe of Af- of like um, he was basically like Mugabe, and, and I was like that's and I wrote a piece about it because I was like that's not true number one because Trump is just Trump, right? You you don't have to liken Donald Trump to Mugabe. There's no there's he's uniquely American, right? He's his own thing, and and that's able. It's a sort of sense that we're only able to sort of see decadence elsewhere. Um, and I remember when January 6th happened, um, you know, and like, you know, people stormed the U.S. Capitol, there were people saying, oh, well, this is like, it's like anarchy, it's like Africa, it's like something. And I'm just like, no, it's not. You know, it can be its own uniquely American thing. And that's okay. And and that's my problem. Like, Africa has its problems, but you you cannot use this kind of like, it's it's not a standard for problems all across the world. Some problems are just peculiarly the West Western problems. And if you go through history, there's so many things the West has done that are, you know, like there's just there's just like anarchy is not new to the West, you know. And it's 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 again like the same thing of like only able be being able to sort of see new ones elsewhere. But I I guess I just get frustrated by like you know Africa and like African countries and African people being like the SI unit for like chaos and anarchy and like the collapse of the, the democracy and things like that. I, I absolutely like you know this reminded me so much when I was conceptualizing the podcast I had uh, this was around the time that in India we were having uh, a civil unrest we still are in a civil unrest in Manipur which is in the northeastern uh, part of India so there's uh, there's a sort of uh, civil war going on between two tribes in uh, in, in that uh, area so uh, there was a bbc report i remember i read and it sort of likened that civil unrest to unrests in countries in africa this was literally the word and i read i was reading that and i i was like oh like who wrote this who uh, like uh, you know passed this and who published this i really want to meet that person because literally he they wrote in african countries and like warto and syria and stuff like that and i'm just like i, I don't know like i in 2023 you're still sort of homogenizing everything conflict here is not similar to conflict in other parts of the world like even now uh, when the israel palestine thing is going on everybody's likening it to some conflict in some part of the world without understanding the socio economic political fabric of uh, you know of uh, israel and palestine and of other parts of the world and i think this happens a lot like you said you know when we are talking about um uh, unrest and about conflict and uh, this is something that uh, like you know reporting on conflict then becomes a very important aspect when you're reporting on different regions you cannot keep likening them like you said that you cannot say Donald Trump it's similar uh, 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 like you know you cannot like liken the like liken the two you have to understand both of them uh, in in their own context so uh, in terms of you know especially reporting on conflict uh, how uh, how a as a journalist how important is it to keep a track of the language that you're using because it is a sensitive issue it is something that 
can be provocative can be used against uh, you know uh, against people uh, so how important then does it become when you're reporting on conflict especially uh, in different parts of the world to not make that similar like you know those comparisons i mean you know like i i guess i like i haven't covered conflict like 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 extensively you know but but like I, i've been able to sort of like so like we, at at minority africa we have a fellowship program like a huge part of like oh one of the modules that we sort of teach is like conflict reporting and like basically just like how, how to tell such stories in a way that i think sort of like recognizes the agency of people there um i think one thing that immediately comes to mind is, is something that we've talked about which is just avoiding the like conclusive statements right especially in times of conflict right you don't want to say this plus this equals this um and like you know everybody is a security expert or like an expert or whatever but like you don't want to say conclusively that this and i and i and that's just an approach that i actually like apply to my writing as a whole um everything that i'm actually like if i ever want to make a conclusive statement I, like it has to be something that, that i know from just personal experience right for instance we know things like in lagos uh what's example like, like in lagos people don't like line up for to get onto buses we all know it people just jump onto buses i've i've i grew up in lagos i know for a fact that I, we were jumping onto buses the whole time you know nobody was lining up for a bus um but i but and and and, and, and like that's a statement of fact but i think what what happens is for you to kind of like make conclusive statements and also similarly also like make this comparisons that we are talking about um is 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 one thing that i think should be avoided because like number one you don't even have to look too far to find evidence of like chaos in the west and that's the truth and that's always my 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 concern if you want to find evidence of anarchy just look at uk history if you want to find evidence of you know wickedness i dare say just just look at history right so you don't have to look elsewhere to find examples that you already have in your own home just liken it to things that have happened in your own you don't you, like you like you really don't have to look too much um but i think that 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 compulsion to liking again is is sort of rooted in this belief that we are different and these other people are chaotic and we are different um and so what really becomes important in like times of conflict is one i think avoiding like con- conclusive statements two avoiding like baseless comparisons and three just like welcoming nuance into the process it is much more complex than i know it is that's just one thing i I do with like every single story that I'm telling it is not simplistic um it is very very complex right um and if it is too simple to me then maybe there's like nuance that I'm missing at the same time right uh, like uh, this also sort of brings me to ask you how did you uh, come about you know starting off uh, minority africa what was thought what was the idea behind it when you started it off and how do you sort of see it uh impacting journalism culture uh in africa if you could tell us a little bit about that i mean i think like you know like the 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 really fun thing is like i think with minority africa i i was just you know i was actually surprised when i started that there was nothing like it right because i just felt like you know surely somebody must have you know because it's a, it's a, i feel like it's a very important project which is why I, i i continue to do it um but i would say fundamentally i i was just sort of curious about um one how the fact that the the stories about minorities in africa that get told often get told in western media you know to an extent properly right to an extent um and so i, I was very 
interested in okay well what is african media saying about it and like most of the coverage that i saw about for instance re- refugees you know would say oh like they're fleecing the system things like that um and, and like would like sort of paint people as burdens you know if it's sexual and gender minorities like a lot of the coverage like sort of frame them as you know just like you basically politicize their lives for like clicks and views um you know you'd see them framing queer people as pedophiles things like that and it's still constant across african media so like just just this this week um the nigerian police said they arrested like a bunch of you know men at a gay party but like the, the way in which those people were presented basically no humanity all the time all the time you know still an ongoing problem uh but i think so that, that was one thing like i was very concerned with that kind of like portrayal and representation um and on the flip side i was i was i was also like wondering like why why, why like why don't we have enough you know media platforms in africa as we do elsewhere you know and, and i can speak particularly for like nigeria like most of the platforms we had were like you know these mainstream media platforms that basically have, have been doing this for like decades and you know have done great work at some point but i think we're we're getting like increasingly confused with how to sort of like reconcile a lot of what i feel like are like cultural biases with like a much more progressive world right um and the 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 thing that that i feel like is 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 very that important is also like sort of this idea of like creating like new centers right so i talk, talked about like you know the west as like this viewed as the center but i'm also curious about how we can create new centers right and and you know like a center is it's 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 hard and it's like it's an ongoing project I, I like i don't ever think that like this new center will ever be created but i think like in the process of working to create a new center you actually turn some attention towards yourself and that's very crucial um and so pat part of it is just sort of like turning the attention back and saying, well, look at Africa and, and, and then like look at what we're able to do here with this project, um, which then I guess ties into like what I think the impact of it is, right? So I think that what I feel is our most impactful thing I've ever done is just the fact that we have, you know, these 100 and, you know, 40 plus stories that are about minority groups in Africa is the fact that we have, you know, like a podcast similar to this is the fact that we're just engaging in sort of some, some kind of like narrative building that we have fellows um, it's the fact that people come to our website to read the stories. It's the fact that it will always be there, right? You know, like the people who have told us the stories, these stories have been going on since 2019 now. I wish they even started earlier, right? You know, I wish we had this in 1999 or some, you know, sometime earlier. Like I wish there was this kind of like documentation going on. So I think the most important thing for me is the documenting. And then on top of that, it's what the documenting can do and cause, right? So we're doing so, like we're working with like so many journalists, you know, like on the continent through our fellowships or through like trainings that we do. Um, we recently did one on like, you know, gender-based violence and b- basically reframing how we think about it, expanding how we think about it. And also like when you look at GBV, like on the spectrum, right? So like what happens when you're sort of covering violence, when it happens like a nonsense, non-heterosexual relationship, things like that. Um, so those those kind of things make me really happy because I'm just like, well, if nothing, right? If nothing, there's this, you know, almost 200 journalists who we've trained and and, uh, and like worked with who probably now have a different idea of, you know, minority stories. And there's also people who pitch stories every week, which makes me feel great because I'm like, okay, well, we, we have a place where you can actually pitch this and it will be accepted. Because again, the thing with Western media uh, is that you, you kind of have to like defend why your story is valuable internationally um but with us we never actually ask like oh is, is this valuable to you know an american audience because it's not about them it's really about what's valuable to us and that changes a lot of things right that changes what we can cover how we can cover it 
how much explaining we have to do in our stories. There's certain things that we don't explain because we feel like everybody in the particular context in which you're writing for kind of knows about it, right? You don't have to explain, you know, power cuts or something like that. They're just things that people who are from Nigeria know extremely well. Um, and that, and and I think that, that that kind of like shared language um, is is it's like I just found it to be really powerful and it's exciting to me, right? So if nothing, and there's this huge ideas we have, you know, like about minority Africa, the things we want to do, but I just like if we don't do any of those things, I think what we, what, what we've already done so far is very important to me. Just the fact that we have this, I always read our stories. I, I like I, I enjoy reading them. I enjoy like they they're somewhere on the internet. They exist. Um, and that's very, very crucial for me. Just even having the, like the archive of it, the language of it, the space in which to sort of like share that language without feeling like it's being policed and sort of like disciplined. I just find that to be very, very crucial. I have to say, I, I when, uh, when I was going through the uh, platform, I I really, I love the design of the platform. I, I That is something that, 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 that stuck with me. I was just like, oh my God, this is so visually appealing, so visually appealing. So I, 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 I wanted to say that to you when we spoke. I had made a note of it. Uh, so it was, and I, I was looking at the stories because like I myself as a journalist cover uh, gender, uh, the, uh, like stories of the intersection of gender here in India. So and uh, I, I feel like there's so much so less conversation and even like it's it's starting off but how like there's a lack of understanding of language when it comes to reporting on gender because we sort of use the same yardstick that we use for other news which cannot be used for gender or gender-based violence for that matter because like there is a lack of vocabulary and we have to address that and we have to correct that I feel and uh, like and I feel like that way Minority Africa is doing a great job uh, like and it's, 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 it's so good to see see that uh, Caleb also uh, as um, like you know it's a very multimedia specific platform uh, uh, Minority Africa as I understand like a lot of focuses on multimedia so uh, here more uh, there's obviously the part of the language of the content that is uh, going on but there's also rep- imagery there's representative image videos that is being used and when we talk about multimedia and that's where we are headed in terms of uh, you know um, uh, uh, with the whole digitalization and everything uh, how, as a multimedia journalist how important for you is uh, is to put the correct image out there or to put the correct video out there or to make sure that you're not doing wrong because but the virality quotient is just too high anything wrong just gets like you know uh, it can cause a lot of damage uh, i'm not saying that textual content doesn't but the with now with twitter and everything the whole multimedia space is like a it's like a cauldron sort of that's constantly boiling so as a multimedia journalist how do you navigate that and what are your thoughts basically yeah i mean i think that that's a really great question um we we, like we, we 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 internally spend like so much time with like video um i i just like i'm a i'm a slightly a perfectionist so like i just like like everything to be perfect but i'm also like letting go of the like it's not nothing nothing has taught me like more about like perfection than even like minority africa even starting i i didn't think it was perfect you know i made the website myself and i was like oh this this doesn't look great still the same one we have to now didn't change um but like you know like i i think like now the lesson is, is kind of like 
you know, done is better than perfect. And like what 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 I say is perfect is very different from what everybody else is doing. That's just my lesson. I, I just like let things go, which I I, I wasn't able to do before. Um, so that's to say that we we do spend so much time with like our video content also because I I think you know it's slower. Like we're looking at subtitles, like we're wondering, okay, what what are people saying? Um, and again, there's like so many because we're, we're like we're covering places across Africa. Like my video editor will tell you his his um from East Africa, and he will tell you like like he doesn't hear what like like Nigerians are saying. So when we have something from Nigeria, he's like I actually cannot hear what they're saying. So it's it just takes so much time for us to kind of like go through those things. But I do think like the 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 power of like video and and photos, as you were saying, then kind of like means. It, it it recalibrates this for us because we're not really thinking about like how not to offend, right? Um, and that's a very crucial thing to think about. But I think that when you're always on the offensive, oh, like, I don't want to offend, you're going to end up offending. And that's the truth, right? So because you always say, oh, like, I don't want to offend. And everything you're doing is driven by, I, like, I don't want to offend, um, which I think is like, a you're basically on edge. And then one day you're actually going to tip over the edge and fall over. Um, and so I think the, 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 the way that we look at it is like, okay, so like, this, these are the things that we think about before we publish every single story, whether it's text, whether it's video, whether it's audio. We're thinking through these things, right? If we're not sure, we will not actually do it. And that's like why recently we formed like an editorial board um, that has like this bunch of like experienced journalists who we thought like would be helpful when we have questions around things like that. Because I think there's, we talk about everything. Like, I, I'm, and I always tell them, I'm like, you know, guys, like, we, we talk about this, we can literally come up with, 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 like, with an idea today and, like, do it today. Because I, I feel like, that, 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 like that's the kind of, like, newsroom that, that, that we are. But because we're more concerned with, like, you know, how do we represent people properly, agency. Um, so much changes when you think about agency. And I think that's something that journalism should think about more. So much changes when you think about, like, my, like this person who, who I'm calling a source. Is a human being like me, like they have needs, they have lives. So much changes when you think about it like that, right? And I think it's it's easier for you to, like you're less likely to cause harm if you're really thinking about agency, if you're really thinking about it. It's not to say you might not offend some people. Some people, Many people are offended by our coverage, you know. But like the people that we actually want to cover, um, those are our primary, those are our primary, we're, we're constantly thinking about them. We're, we're, like, we're constantly factoring what they want. Um, and that 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 for me is 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 super crucial you know just sort of like thinking through the agency of people thinking through well what how would i feel if 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 this was done to me um just sort of having that again you know people assume that because you're from you're from one minority group you can't cause harm to another minority but that's not true right you know you you could be an ethnic minority but you're causing harm to a you know gender minority or something like that right so again it's it's not an easy process and like for instance with the fellowship we have fellows that write stories about communities that they are not primarily from so we, we kind of like try, try to pick fellows from like different like minority groups but we, but we want to have them also like learn how to report on other groups that they, they're not from because we think that's very crucial this kind of like intersectionality um but again underscoring that is not the assumption that because you know i am xyz i cannot harm xyz and when you have that level of humility it allows you to think through certain things a lot more deeply before you actually let them go to publication i think right i think it's a great thing that you're doing where you know sort of that inclusivity in the language is so important like just because you belong to a certain community doesn't mean that you should not 
know or understand uh, the other community or be able to write like I, I think the fellowship that way works really well like you said it, it, it's in in my concluding sort of question I wanted to ask Caleb like uh, as a solutions journalism fellow a practitioner how much has that changed your approach to journalism and why in in the in 2023 sitting in 2023 almost 2024 why a solutions journalism approaches needed in larger you know media spaces uh, do you think especially given everything that's happening around the world right now yeah great great question uh yesterday was solutions journalism day so you know fun fun just sort of see the hashtag as well see what people were sharing i always say that like solutions journalism gave me again we're, we're talking about language but it gave me kind of like the language for the kind of report that I was trying to do at the time right so i had sort of like gone through um or i i, I was in a f- fellowship the one you mentioned the media challenge fellowship smack in my first year of school i believe or about to be second year of school can't remember now must have been my second year of school maybe my undergrad program and i was and, and i was and i was in this great fellowship program by a great great guy called Abbasan Pindi who's you know my best friend forever like in that just because he's he's just a great journalist and like entrepreneur right and i really do respect him but all of that to say that it was in his fellowship that I kind of like heard about solutions journalism like i just felt like I, you know like when you this is quote i really like that i forget who said it but i know it's from granter magazine and it talks about how there must be ways to kind of like organize the world with language right and i really and i really because i think language is powerful so much of what i'm you know saying now i didn't have the language for before even like like the language of my minority was something that i had until much later in life right so i think just getting the language of like solutions journalism to explain how i thought i was like the, the, the kind of journalist that i wanted to be was very powerful it meant that i could say well this is what i want to do and guess what there's actually a name for it you know and i'm not crazy i'm not the only one thinking about it right um and it's it, it's been very crucial through my career right it's it's important one because i think that it allows us to sort of reframe from you know solely thinking about problems i am an optimistic person generally you know i just um i just like to think about solutions generally in my life like i'm practical but i also like to think about solutions so it, it just made so much sense especially for you know being from nigeria and i felt like so much about what is known about nigeria is problematic right it was just it, it was a way to sort of talk about problems but to do them in context of the response right and sometimes you know not everything has a response that's the truth but i think more things than we realize actually have people responding so it's it 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 was very crucial for me one for language two for minority africa it was crucial because it like it allowed me again similar to like my own country and my own identity it kind of like allowed me look at you know sort of like cover marginalized groups or like it allows us to cover marginalized groups with some sort of agency right because we're recognizing that you know xyz is happening to you um you are marginalized quote unquote but you're also able to sort of like respond in this way and i think that's very important because people assume that you know minorities passively experience problems and that's not true communities are responding all the time um sometimes these responses don't work sometimes we don't hear about them for many different reasons uh what was the last story we just published that I felt that I think can kind of like illustrate that I think we just published something recently about how like this this group of like apostolic wives in Zimbabwe who kind of like are part of this really huge Christian sect are kind of like navigating fam- family plan because they can actually be on family planning but they want to be and so they sort of like they they have this network where they you know sharing with each other and like 
commun- basically just doing that. And I thought that was really interesting because I'm like, okay, this is, you know, like you would never imagine this happening in this content, but it's actually, it's happening. People are actually responding like, like in that way. And I think that's what social journalism does, right? It allows you to see, it, it sort of reframes your mind to always think, like my, everybody knows, like in our newsroom now, when, when we have a pitch, we say, well, okay, this is great. But just yesterday, actually, we had our editorial meeting and we were like, oh, these pitches are great. Or like, this is great. But like, what's the response? And so, so many times when folks pitch stories, they always get this kind of like answers back. What's the response? What's the response? What's the response? And it's a helpful question for every one of us, all journalists, foreign, African, wherever you are, always think about what's the response? What's the whole story? What am I missing from the coverage? What is the nuance about it that I'm actually leaving out? It's so, I think the line that's going to stick with me as, uh, as we sort of conclude the episode uh, is what you said, there's a way to organize people through language. And I think that is such a powerful uh, word. Uh, it's such a powerful uh, like term. And we, I think somewhere, a lot of times we sort of forget uh, forget it but it is it is like I think language is such a powerful tool and it should be used wisely it should be used in the right way and uh, thank you so much Caleb for talking to us uh, about uh, about uh, language about uh, inclusivity and about uh, your experience as a journalist as well as where what we can do better so thank you so much for taking out the time thank you too we'll be back with another episode till then Stay safe. Bye-bye.